Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, brought to you by The Athletic UK. It's happened again. 2012 was the last time QPR beat us at their ground, and it doesn't really get much better than this, does it? Away win in the sunshine, comfortable win, hilarious crowd antics, Fulham edging closer to promotion with a solid 2-0 victory against our local rivals. It was just it was just one of the great Fulham away days and it'll be one that will live long in our memories. What a joy it is to support Fulham Football Club right now. Drink it in, drink it in while this is happening because it sure as hell is not going to be the same as this next season. We're going to be, you know, we've set up for some dark times. So just, just really, really embrace this last stretch into promotion. And I mean, yeah, we've had just the most amazing record against QPR. We've only had two defeats in the last 19 in all competitions. Two goals from Alexander Mitrovic. That's 37 from 36 from our big man up top. It's just getting a bit silly now, isn't it? I'm George Cooper. I must admit I'm feeling slightly worse for wear after yesterday's celebration. I was hoping that um, my, my, my panellists would be looking somewhat fresher, but Dom, I think you've, uh, you you two are in the uh, in the depths of a hangover. I'm in the depths Come of on. hell. I don't know about a hangover, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how are we all? Yeah, good, man. Well, it, give us a little rundown of your uh, of your antics yesterday then. Got to I'm the intrigued. Pub. Got to the pub at like quarter to midday in Clapham Junction. Had a few there. Went to the game. Went back to Clapham Junction. Then ended up in Fulham, then up in other mate's flat, and then got in about 2am, I think. Um, my my entire family probably hate me, because um, I probably got in at 2am singing. I think my sister stormed down and said, can you shut up? Um, <laughs> I think I left broken glass on the floor. Uh, yeah, but overall, you know, normal Don Betts weekend, to be honest, isn't it, mate? Fantastic. Looking considerably fresher is Dan Cook. How are you doing? Good, mate, Coops. How are you doing? I am fantastic. And Stephen Sheldrake, how are we? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, George. How are you doing? I'm very well. I believe you've got some three-word reviews for us, Stephen, if you wouldn't mind doing the honours. I feel absolutely honoured to be passed this torch. We had a grand total of 142 reviews that I had to whittle down. There was about yeah, 20... Uh, absolute belters, yes. There was about 20, it's happened again, which is always... The more you say it, the better it sounds. I absolutely love it. Uh, really, what a crazy good record we have against QPR. I absolutely love it. So let's smash through these uh, these reviews. So if you love a bit of alliteration like I do, you've got Alexander's Accumulating Accolades uh, by Rick Cardis. That's quite a juicy one. Nice. As well as uh, Double Derby Destruction by Matt Wall. Uh, I should say these are all taken from Twitter. I went, I went across all the channels, but yeah, Twitter's the place to be again, as, as usual. Uh, Mark Holliday had a bit of fun using the QPR... Um, as the three words with questionable penalty rules. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, as well as quality penetrates ranges. Uh, our very own Sammy James jumped in with three-point ranges. Very nice, very popular. 
Um, but the top two for me, I mean, first of all, you've got Serbian Slaps Queen by Michelle <laughs> Ababa, which is really funny. Uh, um, I think one of my favourites here is uh, Mitro's Bushfire by uh, Rachel Stevens Hall. Um, of course, referring to Shepherd's Bush Empire or Shepherd's Bush. And yes, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Nice work. Well done, Stephen. Excellent work with the three reviews and thank you for everyone who got in touch with them. Uh, Don, before we get into the match, I just want to talk to you a bit about QPR as a local rivalry. I know we've got a few in West London, obviously Chelsea and Brentford and what have you. But for me, this this is the one. And I, I think it does change sort of depending on your age and the and significance of, you know, where like when you first got going to football, who who were the most kind of closest to us within the in the football league. But when I look back at sort of recent games and talking the last kind of 10, 15 years, it's just the best. You know, like six nil at home. One nil at their place with Pavel Pogreniak after Zamora and Hughes had left. It's just the four nil. We, I just love playing QPR. I absolutely live for it. It's the first game that I look at at the uh, when the fixture list comes out. Let's be honest, Chelsea don't give a shit about us. Brentford are obsessed with us. However, we've only really started playing them, you know, as as equals in recent times. Obviously, they're in the Prem now, but you know, it, it just doesn't doesn't have the same spice. I just wanted to ask you, where, where does QPR rank for you in terms of our rivalries? I've, it's changed over the years. Like there was a point, obviously, when we were both in the Premier League, where I sort of have it highest. Then in recent seasons, it's sort of probably been the third because obviously Chelsea is always going to be top for me, and then it's between Brentford and QPR. I think the biggest issue is this is the first time us and QPR have been sort of competing for the same thing within a league season because us- usually I've, we're in the Prem then Championship, or when we're in the Championship and we've been good recently, they've been just about surviving. So I think it's the first time we've had a an actual sort of competitive rivalry with QPR, I would say, in quite in quite a long time. Probably since that loss in, in 2012 and um, also that season, I think we beat them 3-2 at home as well that season when we went 3-0 up uh, at half-time. But yeah, I said, I, I always look out for QPR because it's a guaranteed three points. As we, I, think <laughs> I've only, I think I've only seen us lose at Loftus Road once in that 2012 game where we were just absolutely awful and able to wrap around the game. But, you know, I said, you said the Pogrebniak game, you know, there was the Hansen game when Verufont, put the penalty pretty much in the upper tier. Yeah. Um, it's just whenever we, whenever we go to Loftus Road, I feel comfortable that, 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 that we're going to win. And that was, again, that was the case yesterday. But yeah, QPR's a weird one for me. Like, I feel like I don't really care until the week we're playing them. I hate them that week. And then after, but I think that's got to do with the competitive rivalry thing where we haven't really been sort of competing for the same thing. And yeah, at least this season, there's been a bit more of that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Dan, uh, we'll just move on to the lineup now. So a few interesting changes going into the match. A start for Joe Bryan. I think that's probably due to the fact Robinson was away on international duty recently. So that kind of makes sense. BDR, again, coming in on the left-hand side for knee skins. I thought Bryan was solid yesterday. I thought it was a very wise move bringing him in. He's a very tight, condensed pitch at Loftus Road. And I think that it was the sort of game that we could really do this delivery. How do you think our left-hand side fared in general? I thought it was it was good. Uh, I thought Joe Bryan did play well. I, I've seen people maybe giving him maybe a little bit too much praise. I thought he was he was he was good, and I thought Bobby played fine. But quite clearly, I thought we were far better down the right than we were the left. I think that's where we got all of our joy. It was Nico Williams and Harry Wilson again combining and causing issues down that right-hand side. Whereas on the left, we didn't really get that much joy. I think I would have liked to have seen from Joe a little bit more. And I, I, I don't know why we didn't do it because he has got the ability is just a little bit more of a delivery from him. There were times when we got down that left-hand side and he took that safe option of just finding 
Bobby out on the left, a bit deeper on the pitch. And if it's Neeskins in that position, I think that's okay because I back Neeskins Cabano in a one-on-one situation with a defender. But Bobby doesn't necessarily look to take his man on in the same way. And so in those situations, I would have liked to have seen Joe put in a few more balls into the box because as we saw in the home game and again yesterday, Mitrovic is all over Rob Dickey. Like Rob Dickey is, is, is considered a very good championship centre-back and has received a lot of plaudits this season. And Mitrovic has made him look silly twice. And so I would have liked to have maybe seen him put under more pressure from balls into the box. Um, but otherwise, I thought Joe was, yeah, he was solid. It was a good performance, but I wouldn't necessarily say he, he set the world on fire. I feel he perhaps would have done had that dipping volley from about 30 <laughs> yards out. It's solid, is it? Me and Sammy were stood next to each other yesterday. And, and when that happened, Sammy was sort of happy it didn't go in because he was just waiting for all of the messages that would have come in on Twitter about the uh, Joe Bryan, Anthony Robinson debate if Joe Bryan <laughs> sticks a volley away from 25 yards. <laughs> it's the never-ending debate that we seem to be just going over for an eternity. And like, yeah, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, fair enough. Do you think, I've, for me, I thought that um, just particularly down that left-hand side, this 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 was a sort of game that was crying out for Aniskin's Cabano. It's very tight and his sort of footwork and trickery. There's a very interesting um, stat that I saw uh, Peter retweet. It was originally from Mark Carey. There's some stats about Fulham FC this season with or without Aniskin's Cabano. So when he starts, we win 70% of the time. And when he hasn't started, we win 40% of the time. Just quite uh, quite telling. Do you think it was the sort of game that we could have done with Cabano from the off, maybe, Dan? Potentially. I, I do. I think Bobby played fine, but I couldn't see necessarily what the tactical... I, I guess the only tactical reason I could see for it was Moses Odebajo getting up that the QPR's right flank and yeah. just Bobby, Bobby helping out a little bit and doubling up. But QPR didn't really pose that much of a threat down that flank anyway. And... Um, so I, I think that might have been Marco Silva's thinking behind it. You know that Bobby it offers a little bit more defensively because he has experience of playing in defensive positions now. So I think that it was maybe more of a, a look at sort of mitigating against QPR's risks rather than us profiting going forward. But mm. I think it worked in the end. I mean, we've come out with the win. Would I have liked to have seen... Niskins causing as much issue on the left as we saw Harry Wilson and Nico Williams on the right? Yes, probably. But from a pragmatic sense, we've come away with three points. So I think it's justified. Yeah, too right, too right. Stephen, let's come on to the goal. I mean, just a fantastic move. Kearney, Fabio, Mitro, it seemed to just be in the net within a flash. I thought whilst our class meant that we were the better team overall for those opening um, minutes. It, it was it was a typical derby game, really. It was very tight. There wasn't really much flow to the game. And I feel like if QPR had gone ahead and got the crowd going, we would have been in for a very different afternoon. How, how important do you think it was that we secured that first goal? Oh, of course, like with every Fulham game, it's so important that we get that first goal because we know statistically how much we struggle when we uh, when we fall behind I think Fabio showed how important he was to the team yesterday and he was one of the standout performers in terms of the pockets of space that he was finding and that kind of Fabio-Mitro link-up that we've seen so often this season, it was really good to see that come back. And of course, Mitro doing what Mitro does best, beating the defender and tapping it in. You know, We don't care how it goes in uh, as long as we're getting the goals and getting the lead. And it was yeah, a crucial moment and... Looking at the bigger picture, I think this win is going to be 
really pivotal. You think about the last couple of uh, poorer performances we had with the draw and the loss, uh, coming back from the international break, grabbing three points off QPR to really set ourselves aside from those playoff teams is absolutely crucial. So I'm just so pleased. However we win the game, especially against our rivals. And I say, yeah, absolutely bring on Wednesday now. I think I'd like to add for the goal as well is that I think it's a great example of sort of the importance of sort of a tempo change, especially when you're controlling the ball in the game. You know, we weren't quick at all times yesterday. I think that would have bothered Marco slightly. But in that moment is where we were controlling the ball and then in a split second, we just changed the tempo and we upped it. And suddenly it was three one-touch passes and we're in. And I think that's really important because you can't do that all the time. It's important to pick your moments in games when you just switch that tempo up. You take it up to the next level and that's when you create chances. And I think it was brilliant. Obviously, it was a solid performance and we were on top, you know, by far the better teams definitely deserve three points. But I don't feel like we were particularly at our best yesterday. And there was a spell in the second half, particularly when we started to let QPR gain a bit more possession. They were creeping in, they were having some having some opportunities, having some chances. And you're thinking all of a sudden approaching the sort of 60, 70 minute mark, if QPR get a goal here, you know, it's a, it's a completely different game. And I just wanted to ask what you think Fulham did well in relation to absorbing that QPR pressure that then ultimately meant that we could get on the, you know, get the penalty and, and win the game. But th- that period of 20 minutes, what, what impressed you about Fulham? I liked, and, and so I think some people have spoken about the second half and said that, you know, QPR had their, had their moments and stuff. Whereas I, I sort of slightly disagree. I thought we actually quite managed the game quite well. And what I liked what we did was we drew QPR further and further forward. They made what I thought was an incredibly attacking substitution in bringing Elias chair on for, Stefan Johansson. And in that moment, I think we understood that, look, if we just bring them out, we're going to have our chances. And we saw it, you know, we got the penalty, but also after that as well, just the number of times we were able to get in behind. And we've seen that times from Fulham this season is that we're very smart in those moments when teams are really getting up towards us. We just look to pick them off on the counter. And I thought that was what was really important in that second half. And I think part of it also comes down to, and we've seen it creeping in more and more as the fixtures sort of piled up, is that there is an element of not just game management, but sort of season management. You know, we were going through that period when we were putting six and seven past teams. But now when you're getting to that crunch end of the season, you've got, you know, we've got Borough Wednesday and then we're back playing again at the weekend. You need to preserve as much energy as possible and I think that was sort of sensible from us you know I think we probably could have done if we'd gone all guns blazing we could have gone out and won that game four or five nil in the second half but we don't need to so I think that was good from us I, I it would have been great obviously to to humiliate them at Loftus Road but you've got to be also looking at Borough on Wednesday yeah I, it's, it's 100% the right the right tactic to go down that route Dom very briefly was it a penalty no <laughs> like what I didn't get, what I didn't get. I was I was talking about it after. I was talking about it at work today. I was like, how his arms next to his body. The ref obviously doesn't originally give it. The players and fans call handball, but I don't see the lino flagging to the ref saying, "Oh no, it's it's handball." He sort of just so all right. I'll give him the penalty. Then why why, why not? I, I I said when it first happened, I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought both our penalty shouts weren't penalties. The Harry Wilson dive where he's going or he should have just had a shot he's going away from goal and then that one I said I, I don't I've, I watched it back straight after the game when I saw someone put it on social media and I was like I don't really understand how I understand that it's hit his hand but he's not moving his arm to the ball in an unnatural way or anything but yeah I, I, I'll take it but yeah in no, in no way did I think that was a penalty I actually disagree I think it was really stupid from Lee Wallace I think it, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a penalty but 
it just he does sort of nudge his arm towards it. He sort of if you watch it, he sort of just flicks his shoulder over. And I'm not sure why he's felt the need to do it. Because he's just he's unnecessarily brought a decision about that. It's gonna hit him in the body anyway. So I think I thought it was one of those just, just a silly moment, just as a poor bit of decision making. And actually, out of everyone in that moment, he was the least annoyed at the decision. I was watching Lee Wallace the whole time. It was actually Johan Barbe who lost it at the referee, and Lee Wallace was sort of almost sort of just accepted it. Yeah, I, I I didn't think it was a penalty. I agree with Dom. I thought his arm was by him. Si. But it, I know what you mean about when he flicked his arm up, but that was after the ball had already hit him. So maybe it was just some sort of like reflex. But I mean, I'd feel pretty hard done by if I was QPR, to be quite honest. Oh, but definitely. I, I don't think it's a penalty, but I think it was it, it was poor decision making from Lee Wallace. Yeah, yeah, too right. Uh, Stephen, were you at the game yesterday? Or were you watching at home from telly? I was watching at home on the telly, so I had the absolute joy of listening to the QPR commentator saying, we've been given the rough end of the pineapple. And oh, <laughs> That's not a saying. That's not a saying. I've never, I've never heard that me, before in my life. I mean, Both what a visual. Yeah, what a visual <laughs> to have on a Saturday afternoon with a crumpet. Do you know what I mean? Like, bloody hell. I, I was so funny. It was so good. Like, everyone who was at the game missed out. Like this commentary was amazing. And he also went on to say, are you happy ref? Yeah. Your team's won. And I was just like, my goodness, you are so salty. Like your team's had like one half shot on target and you're like crying about it. And it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. There were some really, really top quality sort of crowd moments from yesterday. The Fulham fans and the Fulham faithful really did us proud. The atmosphere was Fucking electric. Shouts out to the dude who is in the home end, who um, who was wearing a Fulham shirt at the end. Just absolute set of balls on you, lads. That was very enjoyable for for all of us in the away end. Also, the guy who um, ran onto the pitch after Mitro's penalty and then lost his hat and then proceeded for Mitro, just launched it into the crowd. That was good fun. Um, There was also another funny moment I think was just like contained to the pocket that I was in right behind the goal. But there was this... um, this is testament to how quiet Marek Rodak's afternoon that there was a, a pigeon that just kept sort of like landing within a few feet in the box and the chant, your, your pigeon's offside, your pigeon's offside. That was quite funny. I mean, how, Stephen, how do we sound on the telly? It was, it was it all Fulham? I imagine it was. Oh yeah, it was, it was glorious. It was so good. You know, if we could play them every week, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. It's good a nice stuff. compact ground. You know, I remember going down to Loftus Road back in the day and, you know, whilst it's a shithole, excuse my French, uh, it is, you're really close to the pitch and you feel like you're really part of the game and, like, it does have that really good attitude. I mean, well, you can only it. just about see the goal from the upper tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too right. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see the Fulham goalkeeping coach, Hugo, I think it's Hugo Oliveira, um, his touch from from the from it was at, look it up on Twitter. I think Peter Rutzler retweeted it, um, or I, I'm not sure it might be on the Fulhamish, but it is the most outrageous touch you've ever. It's like Berbatov esque. He takes it down and, and does a few keepy uppies, and then I think that's just before it all kicked off in the uh, in the in the dugout. And I think well, the QPR backroom staff got sent off. Oh, anyway, very 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 enjoyable all round. Dom, I just want to ask you about. So there have been reports in the back pages that Mark Warburton is now set for the sack following this game um, having won only one in their last six games do you think that this is the right move QPR at the moment or do you think it's a bit of a a knee jerk sort of after a after a derby loss 
I think it's a bit, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, but it's not just on this game. They have, they've been a sort of fairly poor run of form recently. You know, what was it, only a month or two ago when they were talking about potentially challenging us and Bournemouth for top two and now what they're sitting is it 10th place, I think. So, or ninth place. It's like, I don't think the sacks, they are, I think they are going in the right direction, QPI. If you compare to what, they, it, since he's come in, he's done better than any manager has there since probably Harry Redden. I've gotten promoted for the playoffs in 13-14. So, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's needs to be. I think Mike Warburton is doing good things there. Obviously, QPR fans will be annoyed because at one stage, you, you would, if someone said they'd be in tenth place or they wouldn't finish in the playoff positions, then you, you call them crazy because they're on all guns. So I think they, he just needs to get back to how they were playing sort of at the turn of the year. Really, I don't, I don't, I think, I think, you know, if it was under sort of previous management QPR, we probably would have batted them five or six nil yesterday. So I mm. think, I think, I think it way too much of a knee jerk reaction. I think Warburton is actually doing quite good things there. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, also, it was I thought it was quite nice to see Stefan Johansson get a such a pleasant reception from um, from all, all you know all, all four corners of the ground. Um, I bumped into Sammy at half time, and I, I mentioned this point to him, and I said, "Oh, you know, it was quite nice to see Steph Joe get a good reception." He's like, oh, "I don't buy it. I don't buy it." Let's let's not forget he moved to our local rivals. Yeah, I'm not I'm not having I mean, we, it. We kicked him out more than he left, but you know we'll. I said I, so you, I, I wasn't. Really, I'm not really that bothered with Johansson. Whether gets good reception or not, really, he's a QPR player. You know, if he's if he's joined there, he's just an ex-Celtic player to me now, isn't he? So, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Full and reject. <laughs> Dan, uh, before we move on to the next section, who who's your man of the match? Have you got any uh, hot takes following the game? I thought Harrison Reed was brilliant. Uh, I thought he was exceptional, uh, and I think it was it. Uh, and off the ball, which was the important thing, because I think the the only times I think we looked troubled was if we, you know, when you've got Kearney and Fabio Carvalho in the midfield, you, you, you're you going to have to do a lot of work as Harrison Reed in that situation, and, and as he usually does. And I thought he was superb in covering up between the lines in front of the back four. And I thought his distribution was was acceptable. I think he's very comfortable in possession. I thought he was brilliant, but definitely a shout out to Tim Ream, who had one of his best matches in recent memory. And that's not saying he's been bad recently, because I think he's been consistently good. But he just hit a different level yesterday. And the, the other thing that I thought was exceptional about him was his distribution. The, the number of times, if you just watch back the game, the number of times he's received, you know, he's intercepted a pass and first time, without even taking a touch, he's just playing off these balls out wide or into, into TC in the middle. I thought he was exceptional. And I think he was at the heart of everything good about us yesterday. Yeah, I would have to echo that point as well. I thought Tim Ream was brilliant. I also thought Kenny had a great game. It was a sort of game where in the middle, you know, as I've said, very tight combat. There's not a lot of space there. We needed his creativity. And I think he really, you know, pulled the strings for for large parts. Um, so, yeah. So, just looking towards our imminent promotion so this these stats are from our friend uh, Cottage Analytica so the earliest possible promotion is now the 9th of April even though Fulham don't actually have a match on that game which would happen with Forest losing to Birmingham having already lost to Coventry and if Fulham beat Borough not very likely though more probable dates are Forest dropping points versus Luton in the lunchtime kick- kickoff on the 15th of April Fulham Fulham picking up points at Derby that evening. Forrest dropping points against West Brom on the 18th of April. And then Fulham picking up points at home against Preston on the 19th of April. Stefan, like, what do you, when do you think it's going to happen? Or is this, is this whole thing just absolutely mind numbing and, and the number crunching the different variables and we should just like let it happen when it happens? What's your, what's your take? 
yeah, so the kind of uh, pessimistic side of me is like looking at the table being like, ah, the worst that we could finish now is an eighth position, uh, you know, and every week I'm like, oh, this is now the worst. And then, of course, you know, the optimistic side of me is like we could beat Bournemouth and win the freaking title and it'll be an absolute shithousery and it'll be brilliant. So, um, yeah, you know... Great. This is absolutely incredible. I love it. And the closer we get, the better it feels. And, you know, Mitro's five goals off that record as well. So it's all falling into place. So we just need to keep the momentum going. Good stuff. Dom, if you could choose, where would you, what uh, what game would you want to secure it? I said promotion is, the game is called promotion. I'm not really that bothered by because I think it is just inevitable. I'm more, I'm more interested in when we secure the title. Than, than anything because obviously we, we've seen this get promoted what two times in the last four years whatever it is uh, whereas we haven't won the title since what 2001 so um, I I when it comes to promotion I just as long as it's not next weekend so I can't go to the game on Sunday uh, um, <laughs> but no Derby or Derby or Preston but I said I really want to lift the title against Forest at home just because it's my birthday oh there we go what more what better birthday could you ask for All right Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for part two with some of your listener questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's the Fulhamish podcast. I'm George Cooper and I'm joined by Don Betts. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's just, I was timed that just as you took a massive glug of Fanta. Uh, Dan Cook. Hello. <laughs> and Stephen Sheldrake. How are we all doing? Are we good? Hello, everyone. Fantastic. Right, we've got a question from our very own AF. He said, I had a wonderful time yesterday. Can somebody please locate my shoulders as I believe they were stolen during the second goal celebrations? Have, uh, have you guys got uh, just woken up today with a load of sort of miscellaneous bruises around about your shins and uh, from, from the celebrations yesterday? Or is it just me? I think I've got miscellaneous bruises. I don't know they're from the celebrations though. Well, they're from the tear up that you had with QPR yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, of course, mate, of course. Yeah, yeah, down, <laughs> down Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> naughty, naughty little scrap, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. We've got a couple of questions now from Carlino. So Dan, I'm going to throw this one to you. Once promotion is secured, should we start playing in a new formation to prepare for the Premier League? For example, three at the back and wing backs. I don't think that's the route we're going to go down anyway in the Premier League. Um, And just to throw a little line out there, me and Ben might potentially be looking at this on the whiteboard in terms of how we're going to look in the Premier League. But I, I don't, honestly think that that's the way we'll go and also I just don't think it really is is it doesn't make that much of a difference because you, you're playing a new system against teams that you'll be expecting to beat anyway and I don't think you get a true barometer of how that's going to work you know when you're, when you're playing championship teams that you're not going to be playing next season I think what more likely is going to happen next season is that we potentially have a similar shape but a slightly different method which I think is harder to implement, especially in games when teams are going to be willing to let us have the ball a lot. 
I think it's going to be harder to implement a different philosophy because I think we'll almost get forced back into having that possession. So I don't mm. think that's something I would expect to see. I, I'd be much more expect similar system, but maybe some new faces or some younger faces, but a system would stay the same. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because this is the first time in recent years we, we I mean, if, if all goes well, we have the luxury of time. And you think that those extra few weeks or even months preparation could put us in good stead. But it would be very interesting to see when those, you know, plans get start getting implemented. It uh, does remind is... me of football manager when, you, uh, when you're doing pre-season and you're trying out a new system and you beat every team 6-0 and then you lose 4-1 on the opening day and you're like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I haven't created the best tactic ever. <laughs> <laughs> come crashing down to back down to earth uh, this is the second question from Carlino I'm going to chuck this one to Dom um, Anguisa is still on the books do you think he comes back for the Premier League I hope he don't and I know you, I know, you, I know, you I know you're in agreement there George anyway because it's any question <laughs> regarding Anguisa no I just think why like I want to you want to as much as he is a good player I just think his time at Fulham's done now I expect Napoli to to, to exercise their, their their signing clause in, in the deal um, I just think it's his time at Fulham's done here really I think there's no need to bring him in I think we, we sell him on get as much money back as we can and then if we are going to sign central midfield which I think is probably the last area we should be looking at strengthening this summer if you ask me um, but I'm obviously a striker with Mitrovic but yeah, I, I, no, I don't. I don't want. I don't really want him back in the side. I like what they have in in the team at the moment, and I think yeah, a centre midfielder. I wouldn't, as I said, isn't really. I think a key area for us necessarily to be, you know, strengthening in quotation marks. Just as a counterpoint, and this is some. This is a, a hill that I f- keep foolishly putting myself on and getting shot down by every other Fulham fan I know, is that he has played a pivotal role in a side that is currently level on points at the top of Serie A. And whilst you've got all that backstory of like, you know, he's come, he's gone, he's come, he's gone. He's not always been brilliant for us. I don't know if we could feasibly get a better central midfielder than him just on a purely footballing basis. Whether he'll actually come back, I doubt it because I mean, Napoli have got him for a snip if they exercise that option, I think. But, I think in terms of his footballing ability, I am a massive fan of him. And if you look at the numbers he churns out, it's ridiculous. I think the only thing he doesn't have in his game is putting the ball in the back of the net. Otherwise, I think he's got everything. I just feel like maybe he's suited to football on the continent as opposed to this Fulham team, really. We've seen it when he was on at Villarreal before. We've seen it this season, obviously, at Napoli and how well he's doing in Serie A this year. I just think when it comes to playing Fulham in the Premier League, it just simply doesn't really work. I just worry that sometimes we colour certain players based on us being rubbish for two years in the Premier League. Like there are certain. No, I'm not players... saying he's a bad player. I just don't no, think he's, know, ever, right. he's ever going to suit suit a Fulham team trying to avoid relegation. I know, but I think from sort of the if outside, he was, you would, was like, would say if he was at like West Ham, let's say, or if he was at Wolves, for example, he'd probably do really well. But I just think for a team who's going to be battling to avoid the drop, I just don't know if it's. Like, I don't really. If he's doing so well at Napoli, I don't really think he'd want to come back. To be honest. No, and I don't think he will. It's just it's just in an ideal world, I do think he's a magnificent footballer. I think there's two points there, just to chirp in myself. I think the question is, you know, can he do it in the Premier League? Uh, and I would argue yes. Uh, and I agree with Dom. Is, is Fulham the right club for him? Uh, no, in my opinion. Stick him in a, you know, a Chelsea, a West Ham, like you say, where uh, the, the strength of the squad overall is really high and you're not 
you know, we rely on our central midfielders to play such an important defensive role to, you know, stop us leaking in the goals. And I think he's a player of flair and quality and he needs the freedom to just stroke the ball around and have fun and not have those certain pressures. So, yes, he's good enough. Uh, and yes, it's amazing that we have him or we get some money from him. And overall, you know, a good signing, a great signing. Um, but is he suited? Is he is he right for Fulham next season? I'm gonna say no. How much do you think we would get for him if if Napoli do? Is it is there already a, a built in thing into the contract? Was it's it 15? Sad, yeah, fifteen million euros? I believe which is quite a sad fee, really. I think, but hey, considering how much we paid for him as as well, but yeah, accounting um, wise, I think it. I believe it works out as technically as a profit based on how. The, the fee amortizes over the length of the contract and that sort of stuff. So sort of purely FFP wise, it would sli- account as a slight profit, which is a good thing. Mm, okay, the business cool. seems to be a lot better from the Fulham, uh, Fulham people in charge compared to where we you know started off all guns blazing, signing everyone under sun for millions and millions. So it, it well, feels I mean, like Angisa right was, was part of that <laughs> spending mm. spree. Let's, let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got a question here from Steph Bond, Steve, and I'm going to throw this one to you. It's on this point. How confident are we that transfers in the closed season will keep us up? Will the Khans get it right this time? I bloody hope so, is what Steph Bond says. Um, I think credit where credit's due. Um, you know, the, the the team that are in charge of the transfers have done this this year going into this championship season a, a, a really, really good job, you know, and, and really finessed it, you know, the way, look at the way that the um, Harry Wilson deal has gone through. Do you feel like they're learning and getting better each time and, and could this um, recruitment charge coming to help us stay up in the Prem? Do you think this will be the time that it gets, you know, we get it really right? Yes, I bloody hope so as well. Uh, I feel <laughs> I feel a lot more confident. I think when the fir- they first joined, you know, the Khans, we we can't fault the amount of money they've spent on this club. It's been absolutely amazing. I think they were naive uh, when they came in at first, and they maybe thought, "Hey, here's some statistics that my machine has churned out. That means these players are perfect, and let's just spend all the money, and we'll be laughing." Which clearly didn't happen. But they were great players that they signed, i.e. Yangisa and now Seri's, you know, come into prominence. Um, so I hope we extend his contract into the Premier League because I think he's good enough. Uh, so, yeah, looking at some of the recent deals, you know, Wilson, what a fantastic buy, what a fantastic deal to get him in, despite all the, you know, financial restraints going on. I hope that Tony Khan's learned a lot and, and, you know, the team around him. I feel a lot more confident that coupled with the fact that we should go up automatically and there won't be the dreaded playoffs and we can start planning a bit earlier, planning <laughs> planning more intelligently. With Marco Silva at the helm as well, I'm really excited to see the talent that we bring in and I, I'm full of confidence. I think the big thing that people should take as, as a positive, and this, this, this isn't me Tony Khan bashing, but I think this season some of the signings that we made were very much Marco Silva's signings. They're players that Marco Silva specifically wanted and I don't think would have even been thrown up as sort of ideas without him. And I think that suggests that maybe we're seeing a little bit more balance in how our recruitment works, where the manager is having a more say on the players he wants for the way he wants to play, which I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, given how well he's done this year as well, you think that he will only be granted more freedom, more permission to, to to get the people he wants in because, you know, it's proven concept. This is, you know, potentially the greatest championship team of all time, which is a question. Can he help you? Version two has got in with Twitter. Dom, are we the greatest championship team of all time? 
Well, unless we get the records point total, no. Is that is that how you measure it though? You whoever's got the. Well, I, I think the more points Reading, you get, the Reading. better. So I, well, I always use this argument when I talk about the Invincibles. I think the Invincibles are overrated from Arsenal. I think that they're, they're lucky to be in my top five Premier League teams of all time. I think I but think you, surely you could you can measure it by the strength of the league as a whole and you know yeah, and, that's and another just, reason and, why. and the and the, and the um, you know how the strength how fun of the league is another reason and, why I'd say this team necessarily isn't because look at the Wolves team that got promoted even even the Newcastle team the year that them and Brighton went up so I'm not I think it's one of the best but I wouldn't say you can you can dead certain say it is the best you know is it is it is, is it even better than our team in 2001 you know I think. I think there's a lot. I think a lot of people get caught up in the moment when their team is storming the league like this. I think Mitrovic is the greatest striker this league's ever seen, but I don't necessarily think this team as a whole is. Is like you know you got you got you got you got the Sunderland team who I think got 100 points. You got Reading who got 100 points. So I think it's hard. It's hard to say. Really. I think it's it's up there, but I don't. I don't. For me, I don't think you can look at this team and say it's the best because they have had games where they have been poor. You know, so it's not like I think that it is. They'll. they'll I think the, there's small inconsistency sometimes in this team, which I don't think we put them up as being one of the best championship teams of all time. Fair enough. It's, it's such a, you know, it's, a, it's I guess a pointless debate because there's no way of actually, you know, you can't make a sort of mega league and put them all together. So, um, but it's always a fun discussion anyway. I, I, I've, this is the most fun I remember I've had supporting Fulham for, for quite some time. So, I guess that's got to count for something, has it not? Um, this is another one from Kenny Help You version two, the new improved Kenny Help You Twitter account. Um, I'm going to chuck this one to all of you. Player of the season, can't say Mitro. Start with you, Stephen. Oh, starting with me. That's so cruel. I'm going to go off the cuff. I don't think a lot of people will agree with me. Uh, I'm doing this out of passion, I think. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to say Tim Ream and that's purely because I love him and I'm very sad that in about eight games time he will most likely not be with us anymore. I just think he puts his body on the line. You know, you saw when he cut his head open like a couple of weeks ago. He He's just such a fantastic man and he does so much for our club and, you know, our defensive record just this year has been great. Couple that with the fact that we're such a full-on attacking side, it puts more pressure on the defenders and I... I just love him because he's a he's a leader and a hero for me. So I appreciate probably about two percent of the fan base agree with me there, but I'm going Tim Ream. I don't think it's that much of a crazy shout, to be honest, mate. I think he's having a phenomenal season. He's been so consistent, and pair that with all the stuff he does off the pitch as well. I think I think that's a, a very valid point, and I don't um, don't necessarily disagree with you. I, 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 it, it's I, it, arguably his best campaign in a Fulham shirt, and uh, it really made me laugh on the. Um, uh, and slightly sad on the writers room pod when Drew Drew compared him to Old Yeller, which is like such a good comparison. Like at the end of the season, oh sorry boy, come on, your time's up. But um, but yeah, no, not a bad shout at all. Dan, Dan, who are you going to go for? Uh, Harry Wilson for me. I think his numbers have been ridiculous, and it's been a fantastic season. I, I guess the only reason I could argue that it wouldn't be him is that I sort of expected it from him, because the fact that we've got him this season was a fantastic bit of business and I'm very surprised that actually we managed to get him to come back into the championship and yeah he's he's been at the heart of a lot of good things I think the only thing is that he does blow a little bit hot and cold sometimes I think yesterday was a little bit of an example of how so there are some games when just nothing seems to work for him it just doesn't quite go right 
But when you look at the numbers he's produced throughout the season, the chances created, the goals he's scored, he's added a new dimension to this Fulham team in, in the sense of the, the ability to get in behind, the ability to cut inside, the ability to go round his man. Uh, yeah, I think he's been magnificent. He's been just an absolute joy to watch all year, hasn't he? He's, um, yeah, a, a fantastic addition to the side. Dom, who are you going for? You someone different or are you uh, picking... I can say someone different just to be, you know, fun. Um, <laughs> You're always um, fun, that's what, we, that's what we get you on for, Dom. <laughs> we get, um, we get your, your late night anecdotes, yeah. sideways views and, um, and yeah, fun. So I'll, just say, I'll just say Nisikin's Cabano because I think he's a magnificent man. Yeah, but no, I think go. I think this is the this is I think I've 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 been crying out for it for all these champion seasons because he's never really had a consistent run in the team where he has had that. This is I know he didn't play yesterday. I mean I know he'd been travelling for country, but I think he only played six minutes across their two legs against Morocco. But yeah, just to go someone different, I'd say Nisikin Gabbana. I think this season has shown what he can do. We we don't really have a player like him in regard to a player with take ons, taking on his man and absolutely skinning him for dead. So yeah, I'll go I'll go with Nisikin Gabbana just be different, but. If you're going to ask me, I'd probably say Harry Wilson. Got you, got you. All good. Uh, we've got one final question, Matt from Mint City, which I think we sort of covered. Which games would you like to see? Which game would you like to see us win promotion and the title if you could pick any? I think promotion for me is uh, it's got to be the Co- um, Coventry game because we've got Fulhamish Live following, which would, well, I mean, what that would be just carnage i'd have to book that monday off work i think i'm going to do that anyway um but yeah and that which is now sold out as well so thank you just a massive thank you to anyone who got the ticket all the all the profits are going to um dex ukraine humanitarian appeal so you know it's all going to a good cause and it's going to be a really uh fun evening yeah that's it from part two don't go anywhere part three we're going to do a little borough preview and then uh wrap this up see you in a bit Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. We are celebrating an emphatic 2-0 away victory at QPR, edging even closer to promotion. We've got a very, very difficult test and a tight turnaround coming up on Wednesday. Midweek, Middlesbrough. I mean, I would absolutely love to be going. I know Sammy's going, but... I mean, yeah, it's a long old schlep for a, um, for, for a midweek fixture. Dom, are you, are you going to make it to the Riverside on Wednesday? Yeah, but... Borough on Wednesday, Braga on Thursday. Normal week for me, isn't it? <laughs> Unbelievable. Have you got on the weekend as well? Uh, I'm well. It's, Co- it's Coventry at home, which I can't make yeah. it to, but I will be at the Fulhamish Live. So it's just you know, just the two games for me this week. So you know, quite quite straightforward for one of my weeks. Quite quiet. It's a big test for us. It's a very very difficult game. Um, I mean. Middlesbrough have had fantastic home form. I think it's got to go down as one of the toughest games of the season and it would be like a, a very big statement of intent if we were to go face Chris Wilder's side and get and get three points. Dan, how do you predict this game um, playing out? Are you are you confident we can we can come back with three points or do you are you exercising caution? This might be the most cautious I feel going into to any of our recent games, really. I think they're gonna be it's I mean it's gonna be such a different Borough side to the team we played in the first game of the season. You know, I think that that first game of the season was the most Neil Warnock got. championship game you, you will ever see. Completely and Warnocked, didn't we? we? We got Warnocked to, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a horrible, horrible game. This is going to be difficult, especially at the Riverside. Their home form has been brilliant. Uh, I think... The only thing that I say is that I think their form's been a little bit patchy of late. They went on a really good run, and then a couple of losses crept in. 
it's going to be tough. We're going to have to watch out that they play in a system that sometimes we see us struggle against. Sometimes we see us flourish against that, that sort of three, five, two. I think it's going to very much hinge on, can we deal with their wide overloads from the wing backs? And then in return, can we look to exploit the space in behind that they leave? If I could pick sort of a, a game for us to emulate, Bur- um, Birmingham away feels like the, the sort of the, blueprint for this is a team that looks to get the ball wide and overload and if we can look to get in behind them round the sides harry wilson was exceptional that evening i think that's mm. the exact sort of game that we have to be looking at emulating nicking a 1-0 win and grinding it out kind of i'll take that if it can be I, a shit else as our last one nil win risk. Risk. so yeah. if it can be a shit else as that it'll be a beautiful day what was that dom it can be as shit else as the only norwood one where Borough should have had about eight penalties known for going by them. Um, and then and we, got we a get last minute goal. And, and then we get one by where, where if you watch the highlights, you can just see me falling through the advertising hoarding as uh, on the replays. <laughs> as, 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 I'm saying it, it was a weak advertising hoarding. It wasn't me pushing it over. Um, but yeah, it should be. It will be a tough game. I'm pretty sure, as Dan mentioned, their home record. I don't think they've lost at home since end of October in the league or something, something crazy like that. So Wilder's got them playing good stuff. He's got them tough to beat. And yeah, I think. Actually, this is probably our toughest game left of the season. I'd, I'd argue it's even tougher than going away to Bournemouth. Mm. Do you do you think that they're? I mean, I remember Sammy saying that he was had them absolutely nailed on for promotion. At one point, he was saying the automatic promotion. Do you think that they're the uh, like the strongest team within that playoff pool? It's hard Dom. to say. It's hard to say, really. I think there's a, f- a few in there on their day who are very good sides. You've got obviously Middlesbrough. You've got Forest, who are just outside the playoff positions at the moment. But considering where they were when we beat them four 0 on that Sunday, you can you can see how how good their form has been since Steve Cooper's come in. Um, Blackburn, if when if Brown and Diaz is eventually fit, they're a good side. I think it's hard to say. I'd, I'd have a lot of them quite level, but I think there's three or four teams who who, are, who are in that playoff and who are very good. But yeah, I think Middlesbrough are. I think Middlesbrough potentially out of all those teams would probably be the ones who fare best in the Premier League. Mm. The team I would least like to face in the playoffs, if you gave me a choice, would be Luton. I, I think Luton would be horrible to get in the playoffs. Going to Kenilworth Road and stuff, I, I think they 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 turned into a different beast at Kenilworth Road. And I, yeah, I'd hate to play Luton in the playoffs. Yeah, how nice is it to be able to watch this playoff without <laughs> actually, you know, you know, pending non, an absolute capitulation? Maybe I shouldn't say I'm favour with this, but assuming that we go up automatically, how nice is it just to watch the playoffs and not think, thank, thank God we don't have to go through that again. I mean, it is so, it's it's the most high stress, high reward. It's, it, you you go through everything as a football fan watching your team in the championship playoffs and it is, you know, I, I, I love the system, but oh God, it's nice not to be involved, isn't it? <laughs> it's so Good nice. Stuff. It's so nice. For me, I think, um, I think Sheffield United will make it in and Borough and United will be the strongest two teams, but my, uh, underdog who I really want to get promoted is Luton. I mean, it'd be great to get Luton in the Premier League and it's still an away day that I haven't done. So uh, I'll be cheering for them as soon as we get automatic promotion. Yeah, it was a pretty um, it was a pretty tense away day this year. It's the first time I've been to the ground as well. And it's got so much character. Assuming they'd have to fit within the Premier League's regulation. Well, and well they'd Bournemouth have to... ground's allowed. I can't see why theirs isn't. Yeah, I mean, it's a valid point. But I mean, it must be must be pretty small. What's what's the capacity? It's ten. It's it's just about ten flat, ten thousand flat. Amazing. I think the, the the more the more small grounds we can get in the prem, the better. You know, makes us look even bigger. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Thank you very much, gents. It's been it's been very fun. Uh, I think we'll wrap up there. 
one thing left to do is to name the pods. What are you going to go for, Stephen? You do the honour, sir. Oh, okay. Big thank you to Rachel on Twitter for Mitro's Bushfire. Your defence is terrified. <laughs> Good stuff. I was, I was, I thought it'd be nailed on for it's happened again, but we'll, we'll go with this one. It's slightly more, you know, creative. But yeah, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much, my amazing panelist, Don Betts. No worries, thank you, mate. Always. Pleasure as always. Good stuff, Dan Cook. Thank you, thank sir. you very much, George. Always a pleasure. And thank you very much, Stephen Sheldrake. We'll be back on Thursday with the Thursday Club. Uh, Sammy's back with Jack and Peter. And hopefully we'll be celebrating three points after an emphatic 5-0 victory at the Riverside. Whether or not that will happen, I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. You whites, catch you in a bit.